Welcome to the FTF Exchange Podcast. This is Maureen Lowe, founder and president of FTF. In this podcast series, we speak with industry professionals from leading financial and technology firms in capital markets. We will discuss an array of topics from current events to the latest fintech updates to human interest stories from time to time. Through these discussions, we strive to foster thought leadership and information sharing, and we certainly welcome comments and feedback for future episodes. Hello and welcome to another edition of the FTF Exchange podcast series. Today we are speaking with Brian Collings, uh, the CEO of Torstone Technology. Torstone is celebrating its first decade of being in business. It is also the 2021 recipient of the Best Middle Office Solution Award of the FTF News Technology Innovation Awards, also just known as the FTF Awards. Uh, Brian, before we dive into the questions, could you just give us a little bit about yourself and, and Torstone? Sure, Eugene. And firstly, thank you for uh, for the award, uh, for awarding Torstone the, the best middle office solution. I really appreciate it. It's uh, helping a lot. Yeah, a little bit of background to myself. I, I, I guess uh, pre-Torstone, you know, we've been going a decade, but pre-Torstone, I've been working uh, sort of in uh, in banks and, and brokers. So definitely turned, uh, you know, gamekeeper turned poacher, um, now on the vendor side, uh, running a, a software company for the last uh, decade in the post-trade space. Mm -hmm. So what does it feel like to, to have reached this milestone, your first decade? Absolutely amazing. It's uh, firstly how, how time goes so quickly. I mean, um, you look back uh, and you see how much you've achieved over those uh, 10 years. Um, and sometimes it's nice. It's really nice to to look back and, and see the changes that have gone on in, in that decade. Um, but definitely feel like we're in a good place. With a little bit of perspective, what, what, what do you feel is the biggest lesson that you've learned about financial technology now that you've been, um, you know, in, involved for 10 years in, in, in selling it? Yeah, I think uh, change. Change is constant. Um, so the need to be flexible, flexible enough both actually in uh, architecture of the software, uh, but also, you know, structure of the organization. And I think we, we flexed, you know, both in, uh, in our last 10 years to our advantage. Uh, the, the, the software has, you know, moved from being mainly deployed to now practically everything in the cloud. Uh, our organizational structure has sort of changed and, and grown as we've sort of become more specialized in areas and certainly from, you know, day one as a, as a startup to, to now as a, a global organization that that structure obviously had to flex over the time. So constant change, which, uh, you know, keeps, keeps people fresh. And was that very challenging to you coming from the banking environment? Actually quite refreshing, uh, in a way, I think, um, I was facing potentially another, another decade in, uh, you know, internally within a bank. So to actually come out and be a vendor on, on the other side, uh, I think lots of new challenges, you know, we internally, we were very much a sort of cost center within the bank. Uh, we're now very much a profit center because obviously we were selling our software. Uh, so the, the different types of people you need in the organization, that's been some challenges, but actually learning a huge amount through that, through that 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, switching gears a little bit. Uh, last year, uh, there was an uh, an industry initiative got underway in the United States to move um, financial markets to a security settlement of um, T plus one from T plus two. I'm just wondering if I could hit you with a few questions about that. 
You have written and talked about multiple settlement timeframes and conditions that firms have to manage. What do you see as the biggest IT infrastructure change that firms will have to consider as they move to T plus one? Sure, I, I think quite a significant for, for certainly for some organisations. So I, I think in you know in a phrase that the batch processing is dead. So I think um, really everything needs to move to real time, <laughs> event driven, um, just to ensure all those you know normal checks and balances are, are done in time in the in the sort of new time frame. Um, and one of the things that we believe is that that middle office is going to play a much more active active role in sort of reducing settlement failures with that reduced time frame. Mm-hmm. And, and batch processing probably should have died a lot sooner. Now, the backers of the initiative are, are making the case that T plus one will drive down costs, particularly for IT and operations. How viable is the argument that T plus one will drive down costs from, from your perspective? I, I think it will certainly drive down costs. I, I think the, the capital costs for sure uh, will, will get driven down. And I think the you know exposure to market risk, uh, you've got a smaller window, so that will will come down. But I think operational risk um, as the potential to increase with such tight deadlines, uh, you know, and and cost of failures um, if, if you don't get those processes right and, and in place in time. So I, I'm not sure the uh, the IT cost will come down, but I think you know overall. Uh, cost to a business, you know, it should, that should be coming down, but you've got to get the right processes in place. And, you know, securities operations managers, they're facing a lot today and they may resist the T plus one move. What would you say to somebody who is resisting the T plus one move? I can only say it's coming, Um, even if there's delays. And I think everybody knows, uh, you know, regulations uh, put deadlines there and, and they quite often get delayed. But I think even if the introduction of T plus one is delayed for security settlement, then there is already an increasing demand for digital assets. So, and uh, I, I think that's already driving, you know, some of the, some of these changes to reduce the settlement lifecycle. And the regulators are kind of nodding to the T plus one effort, but they will have to make a lot of changes too, as they did from T plus three to T plus two. They'll they'll they will have to implement changes and that's also going to take time no indeed and i think getting prepared for that i think is only going to help in in other ways so even if it's not for that particular area you know there there are t plus one still around the world in other places as as well so uh, i i think uh, firms uh, are not wasting their time getting ready for this because also as i mentioned the 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 digital asset sort of uh in influx is 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 on its way too Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, as you as you mentioned, as a T plus one push is getting underway, digital assets such as uh, tokenized securities are taking off and have a settlement cycle of a T plus zero or even faster. Uh, how will the increasing embrace of tokenized securities impact settlement operations for buy side firms? And the same question for sell side firms. Now, as you say, Eugene, the digital assets are effectively real time settlement. So this is this is going to put pressure on that pre-trade activity uh, for buy-side firms. Uh, so for example, the you know end clients have uh, fully funded or pre-funded accounts uh, when dealing with cryptocurrencies, for example. Uh, so I think the sell-side firms are going to also be put under pressure uh, for intraday tools around the risk management side. 
because I think real-time risk management is also going to be more important to make sure that that shorter sort of settlement time frame that doesn't sort of um, create risks in other areas. Mm-hmm. And then this would be a time where um, the the push for digital assets really hits home for a lot of operations people, because I think I think for, for a lot of them it's not real yet, but when it hits settlement, then then it becomes real for them. Yeah, how can firms and operations staff future-proof themselves as digital assets, as as we mentioned, gain more ground in financial markets? I see a couple of areas um, need to be considered. Firstly, there's a continual automation of manual processes. I I think, you know, that's been going on for a while. And and I think that needs to happen from pre-trade through to middle office uh, in order to help the operations sort of focus on the exceptions that inevitably occurred sort of day to day. So I think more emphasis on pre-trade and middle office is the first thing to look at uh, and automation there. And secondly, I think, as I mentioned, the risk management side, I think similar automation, particularly around risk limits. So it needs to be real time, but it also needs to be monitored more automatically to sort of throw up those exposures um, or you know breaking of limits for particular counterparties or particular sectors um, so that people can, can jump on them intraday. Uh, I think that become far more important than it, it is today. And it does sound like maybe uh, the operations staff and the risk management staff are going to have to work much more closely together. No, totally agree. I think that they'll be feeding off each other. I think, you know, the risk risk need to understand the exact position and balances that the client has, which generally come from the, the back office side anyway. So the, the linkages there, I think, are, are going to strengthen. Mm-hmm. In May of last year, Torstone announced that it, it is partnering with DigiVault, a digital asset custody provider. Uh, so first, why did Torstone take this step? For our clients, we want to be able to process digital assets in the same way uh, as we do traditional assets. Um, same platform, you know, be as close to the processing uh, as people are used to at the moment. So uh, as we do for our clients today, you know, we connect to various custodians around the globe, uh, depending on what the client needs and and which custodians they're using. And we wanted to provide the same plumbing for the digital assets. So effectively connecting through to, um, you know, digital custodians in in, in much the same way as we do with traditional. Mm -hmm. Uh, How will this partnership impact uh, Torstone's clients? I guess the immediate effect is it gives our clients that capability. So, you know, if they are moving into digital assets uh, and existing clients on our platform, you know, that can be set up uh, rather quickly. The um, the other, you know, reason for doing that is for new clients as well. If if clients are have existing platforms not capable uh, or not capable of moving fast enough into the digital asset space, but the, the clients are interested in doing that, then we can sit alongside um, and actually process those digital assets in a similar style to, to the traditional. So, you know, full reconciliation, um, sort of full accounting rules as you would normally have, because although digital assets are, you know, more guaranteed, as it were, uh, with with the sort of blockchain background to understand that things have actually taken place and actually settled, I think there will be quite, maybe even possibly a decade before people are comfortable with that security. And they'll still want those same processes around the settlement of digital assets as they've got traditional. So same reconciliation, same checks and balances as as they've got at the moment. So is this perhaps the the first uh, of more digital asset related partnerships to come for Torstone? 
will be driven by our clients, um, you know, for, for, foremost. So I think the first thing was to get the capability in place if they need it and, and that they've no preferences of, of their own. I'm also pretty sure that the, the large custodians are all having plans to deal with digital assets, um, you know, right now, uh, some of them already have. So I think as our clients are choosing their custodians, um, that then we will put the extra plumbing in place uh, as needed. Um, but I think we we very much wanted to have an offering to allow those that didn't have any uh, particular preference to to uh, jump on that immediately. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, shifting a little bit, could, could we talk a little bit about Torstone's move into middle office operations, which I think is fairly significant? Why is Torstone expanding its efforts uh, into this area? Very good question, because I think we are definitely you know, known historically for uh, post-trace be- being the sort of clearing settlement and accounting side and, and the periphery around that. But we did see a change in the market where clients wanted to sort of decouple their front office systems from the middle office system. And, you know, quite a few systems out there are, are combined. Um, and they wanted that, I think, for uh, just the freedom to change front office systems to allow some more flexibility. Secondly, I think there's the consolidation of the middle office across assets. I, th- I think everybody's looking to operationally be efficient. Uh, and therefore, you know, if you can bring some asset classes together in the middle office space, you know, particularly around security, as in both equities and fixed income and combine those, that also, again, prompted a decoupling from a front office system because mm-hmm. many customers would have, you know, maybe a different front office equity system than they would a, a, a bond uh, or fixed income front office system. Uh, and then by decoupling the middle office, it still gives them the freedom of what equity or fixed income system they have in the front office. So I think that decoupling was was one of the uh, the drivers for us to, to enter that market because we didn't see many uh, that weren't effectively attached to the front office. So what is Torstone currently offering as far as risk services and, and support? I think in a similar vein, a similar theme to uh, what we've discussed about that sort of uh, decoupling um, and and sort of bringing out the cross-asset side. So I think our risk is is very much cross-asset. It's very much trying to sort of pull from different front office systems, but certainly the capability and changes that we've done over the last uh, year have to made that much more well, not much more, but to make it real time. So before it was more sort of, I would say, post-trade focused in terms of the uh, giving you the risk from the previous day. Now it's all very much uh, real-time intraday monitoring, which is in line, I think, what we've discussed uh, of, of the T plus one, everything needing to be a bit more uh, immediate. So a couple of added things, um, as well as the sort of monitoring, so things like uh, risk limits uh, become more important. But we've also added uh, various data vendors so that clients can either use their own data, but but we can also source data for them. And the similar thing on the pricing models. So we have integrated uh, our own pricing models, um, but we can also integrate our clients' pricing models so that, again, they can either supplement to what they have or even, you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion about model risk. Um, so we give the uh, you know, capability of comparing our models with you know other models to see if there is some outliers of, of particular uh, assets or asset classes so it gives a lot of flexibility uh, but the most important thing is is that shift to real time i think is uh, has been crucial mm. 
And and how how is Torstone's embrace of the middle office related to the T plus one effort? I think pretty directly. So uh, mm-hmm. we believe that T plus one and and as we mentioned the digital assets that's really going to drive the middle office closer to the back office. So I th- I think we, we mentioned before the decoupling from the front office, which I think is is one thing and a, and a different set of reasons. I think here the combination of middle and back office is going to provide a lot more efficiency needed to prevent these potential uh, additional settlement failures with the with the reduced time frame. So I think for us that T plus one has, has, has made us bring our middle office and back office uh, sort of closer to, to make it easier for op- operational efficiency. Okay. And here we are in, in very early 2022. What can you say about uh, product directions for Torstone um, for this year and then beyond? No, of course, well, you're certainly going to see uh, more announcements uh, through the rest of the year on our sort of middle office achievements. So I think we've got several projects under underway, um, both deployment projects, but but also uh, enhancements to that uh, to that space. Uh, we're also expanding both in terms of the sort of size of the group and, and hiring uh, pretty aggressively at the moment. But uh, particularly on the product side, uh, we're expanding our platform uh, from its uh, original institutional background into the retail space. So we think that's actually a, a great combination to have a platform dealing with both sides of an institution's uh, or sorry, a firm's institutional and, and retail if they're in that space. But it ties in quite nicely with a lot of uh, additional activity that we're doing in the digital asset and cryptocurrency space too. So yeah, watch this space. And you're hiring for all of your offices? We are pretty much um, in, in all the different departments within the group uh, we're hiring for. And uh, quite often, we don't really mind which office uh, we we hire into. We're very oh, okay. much a global organization. Um, but it, it, in the end, it probably will be uh, all the offices. I see. OK, great. Great. Well, thank Brian. Thank you very much for your time. No, I appreciate it. Good to speak to you again. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the FTF Exchange podcast. If you would like a turn in the hot seat, reach out to us at info at ftfnews.com and let us know what capital markets topics you'd like to discuss. Also, be sure to sign up to receive our email alert so you don't miss out on listening to future episodes. Just visit ftfnews.com and click the sign up link at the top of the page. Thanks again for listening to the FTF Exchange podcast.